Welcome, American Nation. My name is Zane Raza from May School. I'm a rising senior at May School in the Data Science Concentration. I got something really special to share with you today. One of the things that I'm talking enough about on this podcast is just how much I'm into personal development. So I want to bring you someone at May School who is, I think, is also another crazily focused individual, very, uh, very much an avid programmer like myself, another rising senior in the Data Science Concentration a lot of back-end and web experience as well. Node.js, Django, all that cool stuff. Uh, she's an avid program, like I said. A lot of special, in, uh, not special interests like in the government, but really passionate about things like space, technology, AI, robotics. Uh, you can check out our Medium uh, for a lot of insightful posts on AI as well. I know I like to, I, I like reading her posts. They're really well thought out. Um, today, though, I want to give you, I want to give us, I'm giving my intro for Aaliyah Knight, and she's going to help us uh, upgrade our personal as well as professional skills by sharing these seven habits of effective software engineers. Now I'm going to go wait for Aaliyah. This part will probably be edited out of the episode. I've never read the actual work, and you might, you may have, you may uh, think, you may want be wondering where we got the title for this episode. That is actually from uh, Stephen R. Covey's uh, uh, seminal book, "The Seven Habits of Effective People." We're gonna try and tailor it to some software engineering stuff because, and I think that's 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 important. Um, I never actually read the book myself, so I'm, I'm really I'm learning this with you guys as well. And uh, yeah, Leah is just a bookworm. I'm a bookworm too, but not as much as her. So I'm glad she's also, I, I thank her uh, even before she comes in for, for doing this. one of those episodes that's coming to you during the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, one of these, I think one of the great things we can do during these times is spend more time reading, spend more time uh, getting, just just loving up, you know. The, the economy had to go for this, right? I think the economy is, people talk about the economy going to bust. I think this is, this is like hard lesson learned. I think for a long time, we've been overdue for, you know, uh, having an economy built too much on consumption, too much on people being out and about and wasting money on and stuff like, you know, going to the movies, buying stuff they don't need. I think today, and, and we're going to be part of a new generation that's going to build an economy based on production, people getting better every day, people getting more productive, people getting better at their jobs, people better at, you know, helping other people. So... I applaud all you guys as well for listening to this because that's that's one of the things technology does. It's it's it upgrades our productivity. I'm now speaking to you as a 19 year old. I am now. It was my birthday yesterday. Thank thank you guys for all the birthday shout out to all the people that wished me happy birthday yesterday. Uh, even if it was just the 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 message on LinkedIn, especially that that just like it's auto generated. But shout out to you guys anyway. Appreciate it. All the love, all the all the warm thoughts. Shout out to Elaine. Shout out to Andre. 
and maybe maybe it was a real message i i don't really care i think just the thought it's a thought that matters shout out to mark and and who else who, who else gave me i'm not the biggest uh, i don't i don't advertise my birthday but i always appreciate when people uh give the thought yeah shout out to joey yeah big shout outs Here's Leah. What's up, Leah? Good morning. Awesome. What what time zone are you in? Um, I'm back in the dorm, so twelve thirty. Ooh, okay. It, it's I'm I'm in I'm in Massachusetts right now. It's it's three thirty here almost. Yeah, I almost got it confused because my calendar had it showing up at twelve thirty, but the time still said three thirty from when I was in Atlanta. So I was like, "Oh no, what time is it?" I mean, yeah. awesome. So yeah. thank you for doing this. Uh, I, I've heard so much about the book, The Seven Habits of of Effective People. So I thought, you know, why not learn about them and also learn about like how we can tailor them to software engineers. So. I think this would be an awesome episode. Hoping some good. Got a few notes in the book that we can go over. It's a lot. Um, so I'm going to try to keep it as direct and easily digestible as possible. Yes, that's amazing. So I already did my intro for you. I think we should just jump right in. Uh, so th- we're, we're doing this episode based on Stephen R. And I guess for, for myself and a lot of other people, who even is Stephen R.? Like, like, who is this guy? Well, uh, Stephen Covey, he uh, wrote this book like decades ago. He's been um, a big influencer in the world of productivity, habit building, uh, personal growth and development. And um, he unfortunately passed away back in 2012. But before that time, he dedicated his life to this book and teaching people the principles in it. Um, I believe he was also a professor, not, um, I don't know the name of the school he was a professor at, but he was a professor and yeah, he really just focused on getting the message out there and making sure everybody was able to, you know, understand the things that they have flaws in in life and how they can go about correcting them to be a better person. Oh, interesting. So he was a professor. Mm-hmm. That, that gets me thinking because my next question is really like what audience this book was written for is who is he writing like is it like college students a specific major mm-hmm. he wrote this for everyone um a lot of times in the book he did mention you know how it relates to different fields and ways in which we can um apply it in different aspects of our life but he always finds ways in the book to talk about how you can relate it to your family and your relationships with other people and your career and just every aspect of your life. Um, He did a lot of consulting throughout the years, anywhere from hosting events to, you know, speaking to kings and presidents and influential people. So he had a lot of experience with this. And I think this was just his way of just finally taking all the knowledge he's gained over like 20 to 30 years and actually putting it out for everybody to read. And I think that's what made it so popular and for everyone that heard about it is he did write this for everybody. 
That's awesome. So he kind of sounds like a modern day Dale Carnegie almost. Yeah, I think so. I don't know if about modern. I feel like uh, there are some books that may have come out more recently that uh, may have the same effect, but it's definitely one of the more influential ones. Yeah, I think just uh, on a personal note, I, I read Dale Carnegie's how to like uh, how to I think how to how to influence people, how to win friends and influence people. So I think that's mm-hmm. how. Basically, they're kind of in the same space. Yeah, they're about the same in terms of uh, personal development and uh, personal growth, interacting with other people, that sort of thing. Yeah, for sure. And that's, I, hope, I think that's really important right now. Uh, so how, what, why, don't we, why don't we start with what are his seven points? And, and then we can, we can kind of shift them into like the software engineering world. So at a high level, what are the seven points in the book? So I'm going to read to you their actual names, that he named them, and then um, I have, like, little notes on the side of how I, either I interpreted them or just, like, a different way that someone else may be able to look at it um, maybe more easily digestible again than the way he wrote it out. So there are seven. He broke them down into different quadrants. There's uh, the first step, the first quadrant, which is your private victories. And these are the things that you do within yourself, working on yourself to uh, be able to progress forward into more public victories, like accepting job offers or, um, you know, winning competitions, things like that. So the first one was being proactive. And that's really just realizing that you have the ability to control your life. You know, taking responsibility for the things that you do. If things don't work out well or things do work out well in your life, it's not because of outside influence. I mean, that does play a key, of course, but for the most part, it's how you react to situations that influence what you do in life. So you have to understand that concept of being able to take action for the things that you want in life. Um, So that was the first one. The second one was to begin with the end in mind. So this is something I do a lot too. Um, I would think of it as like the big goals. So the things that maybe 20, 30 years you want to be able to do. You have to know where you want to end up in order to be able to get there. You know, otherwise you're just meandering down the road and you may be making progress, but if you don't know where you're going, you might be even, you know, going backwards without realizing. So you have to be able to start out knowing um, where you want to finish up. And to do that, you set goals, you create checkpoints for yourself, which are those smaller goals. And you use that to work on your own circle of influence. Um, and he talks a lot about the circle of influence in terms of, you know, being able to control what's within your power. You know, if let's say, for example, um, recently there was a meteor that passed by earth i that is not within my circle of influence i don't have the power to just like reach into space and knock it away you know so that's not something i should too heavily focus on but what i can control is how much time i dedicate to learning about my craft every day so things like that that influences me um stop me anytime if you need (laughs) so the third habit um is to be disciplined for the most is to 
put the first things first. So that's just in terms of personal management, how you go about your own day, how you uh, manage your own time and spaces, um, being able to create lists and prioritize what is more important than other things in life. You know, it's not to say that you should shun things that may interpret as unimportant, but there's a, I believe it's called a Kanban board, K-A-N-B-A-N. And what it is, is you have four coordinates from uh, not important to urgent. So say I have quadrant one, which may be urgent and important versus quadrant four, which is not urgent and not important. You want to focus on the area of things that are not urgent, but are very important because it gives you that time to know what things require time and be able to say that I'm willing to dedicate that time into doing it regardless of the situation. And that's where that discipline and knowing what's important in life um, comes into play. So those are the first three um, habits that he talks about. The next three are more of, like I said, the public victories. Once you've worked on yourself, you're able to take what you've learned from the things that you've done with yourself in terms of goal setting, realizing what's important to you in your life, um, what your definition of success is, that sort of thing, and be able to put that out in the world in order to create, um, you know, create change, to build products, to grow your circle of influence. You know, if, if right now my influence is only able to affect me in my day-to-day, -day, maybe in 20 years, it affects me and everyone in my field or it affects me and everybody in my neighborhood things like that so being able to take that time working on myself so that I am able to help others you know you can't pour from an empty cup as it were so the fourth habit was to have a win-win mindset always look for the best situation for all parties involved um, is that abundance mindset of knowing that it is always possible to come out with the best situation you know, you can put yourself in positions where you may come out on top, but it disenfranchises someone else, or they may come on top and you fall on the sword for them. But you have to understand that there is always a way to have a win-win situation for both parties. And there is a give and take to that. Um, empathy comes up a lot with understanding that you have to be able to put yourself in someone else's shoes um, in order to find the situation because we all look at things differently. My definition of a win-win situation may, be, may not be someone else's. So be able to step back, um, adjust the situation, communicate emotionally, mentally with the other person to be able to truly understand. And that's really like, and I'm sure you, like we said, we'll get into it a little later, but like as engineers, asking those questions up front of, um, you know, what we're looking for in a product before we actually even get started with making it. Um, the last two or the last three, number five is to first seek to understand and then be understood. So kind of like I was saying, and they this leads in from the other point, but a lot of people listen to respond rather than listening to actually take in information and be able to give uh, solid feedback about the information and so that's where this one comes in in terms of you can't give a hundred percent of a situation if you don't really understand what's, what, what is needed of you 
or what other people require from you. Uh, so really just similarly being able to understand the content enough to where you can give it back in your own way, rephrase it, and be able to portray your feeling about the situation. And those two things by themselves help to gain that understanding between you and the other party. Using that understanding, you go into the sixth habit, which is creating that synergy. That's that win-win mindset again of being able to have a compromise, being able to find the balance between, you know, the emotional side of a situation versus the analytical side of the situation. Because, you know, we're born with the left and right side of our brain. They are meant to be used in conjunction. While we are in a society that utilizes one side per se more than the other, um, that synergy is using both of them. And using both of those is how you get to those optimal places of being able to come up with new ideas. And because once you have that understanding and are really able to um, know what someone else wants and know what you want, you're able to then apply and continuously grow upon that knowledge. And that's how you keep going forward in life and progressing. Um, and then lastly is the seventh habit, which kind of is the circle around all of them. And that is just sharpening your, the saw, as he says, which is to work daily on your skills, your craft, better yourself. Uh, he breaks it down into four areas, which is the physical, the spiritual, the mental, and the social or emotional. They can be interpreted in several ways. Um, even in the book, he talked about how, you know, even just the physical by itself can be thought of as your tone, or it could be thought of as your craft, or it could be um, the, in a business, the economy of the situation. And so you can interpret these things different, but it all boils down to these areas which we all have to work on in our day-to-day -day life in order for us to stay sane, for us to grow mentally, to stay healthy, you know, to be our best selves, um, because you can't perform well if you aren't well. Um, you can't teach others if you're not taking in knowledge yourself. You're not able to, um, you know, go to meetings and create uh, products and do things if you're you know, not keeping your body healthy and you're able to actually show up mentally and physically for situations and be emotionally open enough to communicate with everybody else. So that's really that. And the thing about that one, you know, the first three are meant to work on first in that order work on yourself first the next three are outwards uh, once you've worked on yourself you're able to take that and put it out in the world but the seventh one is something you just have to do all the time because you're every day that you're alive is another day for you to improve yourself and so um, I think this is the one that I personally like the most it's my favorite quote from the book is you know to if you treat a man as he is, he'll remain as he is. But if you treat a man as he can and should be, then he will become what he can and should be. So I think that's really a good way of summarizing the book is just understanding that we have this unlimited potential as long as we're able to self-reflect enough to use it and have the discipline and the willpower to say that, you know, I understand where I am and I'm willing to put the effort into uh, be better yeah so those are kind of like the seven i think yeah that was awesome i didn't i didn't speak at all because i was just taking notes it was yeah, really i'm sorry i was like dumped at all 
Now, it's good. And, and it's funny because uh, I think one, two, three, and seven, I actually heard today from another person. Uh, it was a call with um, an Amazon engineer, one of my industry contacts. So, yeah, it really sounds like it's, those are relevant things to, to bring up. Yeah. And I see them even as I read some like um, having that empathy and synergy with people. It made me think of different activities we've even done in our career development classes where we had to listen to other people talk and be able to regurgitate it back in a certain type of way to be able to better understand each other or even different activities of uh, mental and emotional growth. I think those definitely are, those first three really are key. And then once you do those, it kind of feeds into the other ones. I see. So now what I'm curious is this um, Mr. Covey, does he, at any, does he at any point in the book talk about like the mistakes, or, like the hurdles people like come up with when they're trying to implement the seven habits? He speaks about it a lot. Um, I said he has examples throughout the whole book and um, a lot of the examples he uses are client-based. So he talks in terms of, you know, I interacted with such and such client and they said this, or the, he'll use like his, um, his wife and son as an example of, how they try to use the seven habits or do different things but he he does make it very clear that people do struggle with it in various different ways whether it's a change of perspective which is a big one um having i think he said one of the biggest problems he found with people in terms of being disciplined uh, because discipline is one of the bigger challenges people have is being disciplined just sticking to their word and he said the biggest issue with that that he has found across the board is people not having a deep sense of personal um like a good personal mission um so in that sense you know is he compared it to the constitution in terms of here are the laws of the land this is what i do no matter what decision i make or what side I want to go on, these are the things that I have to make sure I stand by. And so he said everyone needs to develop that sense of self as well, to where you know, you know, and it's a good idea, of course, to write them down, but these are like unbreakable rules of who you are and what you want, and use that as that foundation for every other decision that you make in life. And if you don't have that then when you come across times of challenges, you don't have anything to reference back on. You don't have anything to build upon on because your foundation's not there. So I think that was what he said was hit, um, the thing he saw the most is just having a sense of knowing who you are um, and having that foundation in place. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm applauding everything I hear so far. If, if you should have brought an affiliate link to this book, if you, if you just... You could, if you had one, I would feel click on it right away. Next time, I'll be ready. <laughs> yeah, and and it's it's interesting because my my like, I've said a lot before on the podcast. Like my mom's a psychiatrist, and mm-hmm. I, I kind of like see psych psychiatric or I don't know. Like I always go to that mental side, and and it's a really it seems like a really mental. The tool for all this it really comes back to like self awareness, right? And like having that self reflective like quality. Mm-hmm. What's like one yeah. habit or like what? 
what do you think would be like some ways people can start implementing that like reflective mindset and then like you know to use it for building these new habits that kind of thing um he did give some suggestions i don't remember what he said in the first one um in terms of being proactive and respond i think one of the big things is really taking time to just be in silence doesn't even have to be in silence you can listen to music or something um but just taking time like step away from all the other things you have in life and just take like a couple minutes to just sit and think about where you are like being fully realistic of where exactly you are in life and being really honest with yourself about if you are okay with where you are and if you are then that's great do continue doing what you're doing and finding ways to implement uh, growth mindset and new ideas and new topics into your life. But if you're not, then being able to, you know, maybe even write down the qualities that you don't want or the habits that you no longer find are conducive for you anymore and actively working every day to not do those things. Um, as I tell people, at least what I do in terms of trying to like better myself just as a person, not even as an engineer Mm -hmm. is I feel like, you know, nothing's black and white, but there is a general sense of right and wrong, good and bad, et cetera. And, you know, everyone says it's hard to know how to do good, which I believe is true. It is hard to like always know how to do good or even always know what you like, but it's really easy to like identify problems and what you don't like and things like that. So I tell people, you know, take the time, identify the things you don't like and strip those away. Once you strip those away, all that's left is the good and the neutral. That by itself will attract more of that good towards you because, you know, no good energy wants to be around the bad. So if you get rid of all the bad, the good will come in and even without it coming towards you, you're no longer burdened down by the bad things. You're able to think more clearly and have, you know, really eye-opening moments of, you know, moving maybe into that second habit of realizing, okay, where do I want to go from here? What do I really want to do in life? What do I really like to do? What do people find that I'm good at? And utilizing that to come up with this personal mission in life, you know. I think those are probably the first two things. Like I said, it's more than anything working on yourself first because, you know, you can't save someone else if you're not able to save yourself. Um, It's like the analogy, you know, put your mask on first before putting someone else's. So it's really that is just, um, just really being honest with yourself about where you want to go in life and what are you willing to do in order to get there let's see so can you just kind of you just got to build that like feedback loop with yourself until like Mm -hmm. you're just constantly like like making those corrections and just getting being a better you yeah and it it can be tedious at times even one of his suggestions a little later in the book with um time management uh he was saying how you know it's not really time management it's more so of a personal management because the time's always going to be there. It's just a matter of you being able to control how you want to use it. Um, And, you know, he finds that making goals, using calendars, um, agenda, scheduling things can be very good, but people do find it often very restrictive because your life is so laid out. Uh, And I think it's similarly with trying to find yourself. Don't, you know, 
tear down every single aspect of your life but just be you know you don't have to like constantly think 24 7 of like oh am I doing this right or you know don't put yourself into a panic but just if you know that you're doing something and it may not be helping you then just really be honest about should I keep this habit around or you know is this can I replace it with something better if it's not even a bad thing yeah yeah it sounds like it's, there's like so many books out like I like I've heard of I haven't read but books like you know Atomic Habits and like The Power of Habit like this thing about habits seems like it's really like powerful so I want to I want to change it to a little bit because I'm I'm curious about one thing you said about negativity right mm-hmm. and I'm not I'm not I'm not entirely sure what, what you'll what you'll say to this, so I'm curious what about like the news because people on the on the new, people like you know they want to be informed right mm-hmm. but it, do you how much for instance with the COVID nineteen news I'm curious to hear how much have you actually been following up with it. Because me, I've I've almost for for myself, I almost only depend on like what other people who I know do follow the news like really well, what they'll tell me. But I feel like for a lot of it, like this, the rest is a lot of negativity, right? Or what do you think about that? Do you think it's more like COVID nineteen is becoming like the meteor out there, and like no one really, really, unless you're like, uh, uh, of course, you're working as a doctor and like you really need to be up to date on it. But like, yeah, I'm just curious. How do you feel about balancing that like negative negativity around you? Like stuff that's also maybe important to know. Mm-hmm. It's a, uh, that's, that's a deep one. It's a lot. Um, I try to do a grab bag of things because I find, you know, too much of anything is a bad thing. So um, for one, I really don't watch the news much as a whole. Um, I've just never really been into it myself, just knowing that, you know, at the end of the day, it is an entertainment station. So their point is to get viewers. So while there is truth, it's only to a degree and it will be sent in such a way to get users. So I'm very not as much on the news. Um, I do also do similar things where I'll listen to other people who I know are maybe more informed than me or you know, maybe friends with family members who work directly in the field, and I'll get my info from them. Um, I do, yeah, the, the negativity, I try to stay as much away from it, because, for example, um, I went home, and my parents, you know, they're from a different era, they're getting elderly, so they watch a lot of just watching the news, so when I was there, the news was just playing 24-7, just COVID, and, you know, I felt it affecting me, because, like, even if I'm not too, like, you know, in panic mode, if it's all I'm hearing all the time, then it's going to put me into that state. So try to stay away from that. Um, I think it is kind of a meteor situation to a degree. You know, it is that influence thing where, you know, if I was a politician or if I was a doctor or if I was a scientist specifically in like biology or medicine, then I would be a little more you know, enthused or on the front lines and a little more attentive to the nitty gritty details. But since it's a little out of my influence, there's not too, too much I can do. You know, there are things here as a data scientist I could probably do, but on a grand scale, there isn't, I can't just like call someone and like give me a vaccine. So um, I try to just 
stay within my circle of influence in that sense. So that's me and the people who I interact with. So that's, you know, take care of myself, making sure to follow certain rules and guidelines, um, and really just not panicking because I feel like panic is just um, making yourself worry about a situation that isn't even real. So it's, yeah, but most specifically, um, I get a lot of my data from, like, I'll go straight to the CDC or the WHO. If I ever have questions, I just go straight to them because I feel like just like the game of telephone, the more places you go through to get your answers, the more that the answer you get changes. So I'm just going to go straight to the professional with the actual numbers. You know, like I said, as a data scientist, I want the numbers and I can interpret from there. But third-party sources such as the news, uh, social media, you know, if there's a quick, like, headline, you know, presidential update, something like that, I'll hop on there. But otherwise, I just, like, I'm just stay back. The important news will get to me as it comes. If not, I will hunt it down. But, yeah, I don't think, I wouldn't recommend people watching just the news, personally. <laughs> um, it's, I don't think it's good for people's health to just watch it, mental health to just watch all the time to get um, news updates. But it is interesting to watch international news from Amer about America um, because sometimes I forget I live in America. And so when there's crazy things happening here, I'm like, oh my God, that's crazy. And then I remember that I live here and it affects me. Uh, but of course, my sources are from American sources. So it's interesting to like hear from like Europe or um, China reporting on things that are happening here and hearing their perspective on it and it's like it's very different <laughs> yeah that's like one of my that's, that's actually one of my like the funniest things i like i do because my parents are, are pakistani right so every night they'll they'll turn on they'll like during the day or whatever they'll like they'll be talking about like american news and then at night they'll turn on the tv and switch to all pakistani channels like all so it's a complete 90 degree flip from like, okay, here's, here's the this, this speech that Trump gave. Mm -hmm. And then at night you get, and you see the same video playing on like the, the Pakistan news channel. So at least some understanding. Yeah. And it's like you, the interpretation is different or it's less um, influenced by like American stuff. <laughs> yeah. So we're almost out of time here. I don't want to keep you up, but I have, I cannot leave you. I cannot let you go without asking this question. How much do you actually spend? Uh, Cause one of the things like, I know, I think you and I would agree, like reading books is like amazing. It's uh, like the one source of information that you really, I think people should invest in. Cause like, unlike the news, you're something you really like, it's almost like a project that you're working on. Like, and you get really motivated. You maybe say you want to learn react JS and you like start a really cool front end project. I think mm -hmm. books is like you learning, it's like you taking up a project to improve yourself. And to do that, you learn so much by learning, you know, picking up like this self-development book and then like that self-development book. So yeah, I'm just curious, um, how much do you actually spend in terms of like time or money in, in reading these, all these great like resources? Um, unfortunately, nowhere near like I used to because Becoming an adult makes other things become more priority. Yeah. Um, back in high school and younger, 
I think I would read like a book a day, anywhere from one to 300 pages because <laughs> I, well, I had, my school was out of district. So there was at least two hours a day of commuting back and forth. Um, and then I literally would be like the kid who was walking down the hallways, reading my book. Anytime we had a break, I would be reading. So it's just like, I leave, you know, I would leave lunch and go work in the library. So I like live and breathe books. Um, as an adult now, that does not happen. It's more like a book every month-ish, maybe two a month, if I'm really like into it. Um, the way I find time now is I've switched a lot more into audiobooks, which I kind of don't know how I feel about um, because it does make it a little easier to read the book. I'm still getting a lot of content and in a way I can relate to it more because I'm hearing it from an actual voice um, rather than mine in my head. Um, so I do get a lot of books through that. But let's say it's like a self-development book, which usually those I like to annotate. I will have the physical version and because I'm annotating it, it'll take a while to go through. Um, but I used to and kind of still do reserve times of the day for reading now, because if I don't, I may not do it. Um, so usually in the morning for about an hour, hour and a half somewhere, I'll have time for either reading or journaling um, because I feel like reading and writing are like two halves of the same coin. And um, I usually in the afternoon, if I'm just like winding down the day, I'll get reading in. Um, yeah, but I think it's a great thing. I personally try to put as much time as possible into reading. I'm always at the library when I'm able to go. Um, I have like Audible, Amazon, Kindle, physical books that I just buy. In terms of money, <laughs> a lot of money on books. Um, I recently just got rid of a lot of my books because they were back in Georgia and I ran out of space for them. So I got rid of about 200 of my books and just donated them. Um, I'm currently on revamping now. I think I'm right now I'm at like a hundred and something books. But for me, you know, I try not to be as frivolous with it as I used to be where I would just go to the bookstore and get like 20 books at a time and just completely wipe myself out from books. Um, but definitely I feel, you know, in life, I would want to have a study or a library in my house. And I would really like to have, you know, there's certain books that I may just find cool, but then there's others where I've really went on a journey with them. Um, I have a couple books that I've like read like 10 times over the years and have just like this really deep connection with me. And so I want to keep them around to, you know, pass on other people to show them or, you know, just for me to look back at in time. So I'm a big proprietor of, you know, using library just to like check a book out, see if you like it. But once you see you like it, like get it, hold on to it. You know, like you said, there's the internet, there's uh, news channels and they are faster. They are more up to date, but books have this like depth to them that you can really get into and you can really take your time of digesting it, interpreting it how you wish, you know, applying it. To different parts of your life it's just and having the physical version of it just literally gives it more weight <laughs> um i definitely think everybody should read a lot more there was a quote in this book actually it was um the person who doesn't read is no better off than the person who cannot read 
And I was like, yeah. that really hits home because I don't think people realize how important reading is until you know someone actually is unable to read and they're like oh my god reading is important but you have the ability to do so now utilize these skills that you have you know to better yourself so that's the whole goal at the end of the day interesting yeah yeah, yeah it's definitely it's definitely what we're all trying to do during these two years it makes us trying to get better each day uh nope. last thing on the on the on the podcast agenda is i always ask my guests at the end to ask a question of their own to the maker nation to the audience so Aliyah, what would be one question you want to ask uh the students that listen to this episode um, um right now we got some people God. graduating we got some people that are coming up so i think it's- what questions would i ask um I would ask really like what brought you guys towards tech or towards the makerspace uh, community like you know we're all different we're all individuals and while we all may be in tech we're all here for a different reason at the end of the day um, whether it's for the benefit of the now or the benefit of what we could do and create in the future so I think that's really what I would ask is you know why are you here <laughs> and what do you want to do with the things that you're going to learn from here? Cool. Sweet. So, uh, Leah, can we get your responses on Slack, LinkedIn? What's your preferred maybe email place for responses? Um, I'm everywhere on the internet, I think. So you can Slack me. Um, if you are in any of the workspaces I'm in, you can Slack me directly through there. Um, my, I have an Instagram, it's Robot Gal, R-O-B-O-G-Y-A-L. Um, I'm also on LinkedIn at Aaliyah Knight, and I have a medium at Aaliyah Knight. And my email is Aaliyah Knight at Gmail. So any of those ways of communicating with me is perfectly fine. And I'm always on everything. I live on my computer now. So feel free to reach out with any questions, comments, concerns, suggestions, book recommendations. All the things. Okay, great. Uh, thank you so much, Aaliyah. That is it for the episode. And thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Take care. All right, thanks. Have a good one.